What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bible with Bordeaux. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me for this episode of the show. I am your host, Jason Bordeaux. I am a local little small pastor, <laughs> more like an associate pastor, but uh, I love studying the Bible. I love digging through the Word and teaching through it. So that's what we're going to be doing right here. We're going to be looking through the Gospel of John. We are continuing the study through that Gospel. We on, on part three now. And so we're going to be going from uh, chapter one, verse 14, all the way through verse 23. And so let's go ahead and dive into the word. And uh, just let you know, if, uh, if you like this type of content, make sure you like and subscribe to all that kind of stuff. I also like to do Q and a videos. So if you have any questions you would like me to address on this channel, then let me know and uh, give me the question and I would dig into the word, see what the word says, and I'll make a video addressing that question. It's another thing that I really enjoy doing because I don't like to give surface level answers for questions that people may have. So I'll try to dig as deep as I can and get the best answer possible. So let's go ahead and dive into the word. And uh, we're going to read through this now together. So again, starting with John 1 verse 14, going through verse 23. And I'm reading from the ESV. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who were you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So, yeah, let's dive into it. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun today, digging through the word. Uh, the gospel of John is it's deep. And it's shallow at the same time. Uh, I've said this before. The, the wonderful thing about the Gospel of John is if you don't have a whole lot of study uh, kind of in your tank, if you haven't done a lot of study of Scripture before, you can still read the Gospel of John and get something from it. If you've studied and studied and studied the Word for years and years, you can still read the Gospel of John and learn a lot from it. So that's what we're going to do here today. So, uh, so God the Son came and wrapped himself in flesh to live among people. Now, it's important because even though God has placed himself among people momentarily, this time he came to actually live among them. So God's kind of came down to earth momentarily from here to there uh, in the Old Testament but at this moment in time, he came to live among the people. Now, it does not mean that Jesus was created, but that he was born in the flesh. So Jesus did not cease being God when he came down. He became God and man and man in this act. 
So the Gnostics at that time, they would have found this a little bit insane because in their viewpoint, they saw anything that was connected to the flesh as evil. So God becoming flesh, it just wouldn't make sense because it'd be God becoming evil if he were to come into flesh. So that's kind of how the Gnostics would have viewed it at that time. So Jesus dwelt among us is the same as tabernacled or pitched his tent uh, among us. So the Old Testament tabernacle is now understood as a foreshadowing of Jesus. And that would also become the example of what the church had to become to the world later on. So if you've never done a deep study on the tabernacle, it's it's very interesting. Uh, if you have a good study uh, system or a teacher or a video series, however you study it, it'll kind of compare the tabernacle to Jesus, uh, which is really cool. Now, the tabernacle is where God lived in those times and the Israelites would go to make their sacrifices there. Now, it was in the middle of God's people where the law was preserved. Um, it was portable sanctuary, so they would carry it around. It was temporary, it was humble looking, and it was outwardly unattractive. And it was where the priests were fed and the place of worship. So all of these characteristics of the tabernacle are very similar to the characteristics of Jesus, if you study it. Now, the glory of God was seen in the life of Jesus. Now, people witness his miraculous works and listen to his unique authoritative teachings. Now, Peter, John, and James actually saw the transfiguration of Jesus in Matthew 17. Uh, this was the most glorious moment in the flesh where Jesus' holiness showed from his body as a bright light and white linen. And so, and if you read in the Old Testament, God would often appear as a bright light in the Old Testament as well. Now, there were uh, so many instances of grace shown in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel, and Jesus came in the flesh filled with grace and truth. So if you read in the Old Testament, there were so many failures from God's people, from Israel, God's nation. And so God was always showing grace over and over and over and over again. And so now grace has come to earth in this instance. And so uh, Jesus would be walking, he'd be that walking expression of the grace of God among God's people. Now, he would also teach truth and explain it throughout all of his ministry. So grace and truth uh, are, are shown there. Now, verse 15 uh, was a clarification point that John was trying to make. So John was before Jesus born before Jesus, but Jesus existed before John. And so, again, this goes back to Jesus not being created. He was born, but he was never created. So, and this would be kind of difficult to understand without understanding that God came from heaven, his spirit, God the Son, came from heaven into a fleshly body, being a child, an infant, conceived in uh, by the Holy Spirit to Mary, through Mary. And so he was born, but Jesus was never actually created. And if you read throughout scripture, even going back to John 1.1, and uh, those first few verses in John, you know, we kind of talked about that in the study already. So, but John 
ranks Jesus higher than himself. And this wouldn't have been normal during that time period because normally those who were born first in the physical had, would often had the highest ranking amongst family and in society. So the, the firstborn son always had the better rights. He had the better inheritance and, and all these things that were kind of viewed on the higher scale of the family ladder during that time. So John seeing Jesus before him shows that John's not thinking of Jesus in a, in a fleshly way, in a humanistic way. He's seeing him beyond that. He understands that he is not just flesh and bones. And so in the fullness of Jesus, uh, we receive grace upon grace. Now, the word truth was not included in this statement because truth shows us our flaws and grace shows us his goodness. You kind of get that? So the truth, you know, we look at the truth and we see our filthy rags. We see us as sinners, as fallen, as imperfect. And whenever we see grace, we see the goodness of Jesus. So we're looking kind of truth that points to Jesus. We see the grace of Jesus in that. Now, we don't find our flaws in the fullness of Christ. Uh, We do find our flaws in the truth, which is included in the law. So the law was given to Israel through Moses. That was along with grace uh, and that along with grace came through Jesus. So it's not a, uh, this is not a contrast between grace and law. Uh, Through the law, by grace, we saw the character of God and Israel had a way to stay in communion with God by following it and having our being God's nation. So even the law was a gift given by grace of God. And ultimately the law pointed to Jesus who was the, the fullness of grace. So I know it's kind of a, a, a large, a large mouthful there. So uh, no one has seen the complete essence of God. So in Isaiah, we actually see in Isaiah 6, 5, it says, For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwelt in the midst of, well, let's go back to the beginning of verse 5, sorry. And I said, Woe was me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So here, it's like Isaiah got a glimpse of God, but no one has seen the complete essence of God. Our eyes couldn't handle it. We won't be able to 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 behold that. Now, people have seen the character of God in the law. Some saw him through a theophany or through anthropomorphism. That's a long word. So a theophany is essentially when God... Uh, would come through angels or some form of heavenly being, and he would talk to people one on one. So a lot of people think that in the you know uh, some of the cases in the Old Testament might have been God Himself or might have been Jesus Himself. <coughs> Excuse me, but uh, in a lot of cases it's through angels that would come and he would he would talk and whatnot to people, and then um, in Numbers twenty two twenty eight, we actually see the anthropomorphism, and that's whenever God uses animals or this animal to talk to people, um, and this donkey in the story. So this was over in Numbers. We see Numbers twenty two twenty eight. Uh, then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, 
And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you were struck me these three times? And in this story, the, the donkey's telling Balaam, no, we can't go this way. We can't go that way. And, um, so God will often use anything and everybody <laughs> or anything in terms of angelic beings to talk to his people. So he would show himself in that way, uh, but not 100% complete. So Jesus is the only one who has seen God completely. So Jesus is called the only one who was at the Father's side. So he's called that. Jesus being part of the triune God is considered the only God who came in the flesh. <coughs> Excuse me. So being at the Father's side shows that he was as close as can be to God the Father. The same example was actually used over in John 13. And we'll talk about this more in detail when we get there. But John 13, 23, it says, One of his disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at the table at Jesus' side. And so it's just it's just the idea that it's, it's about as close as you can get to someone. And even in, in, in those days, you when you ate with someone at the table, that was it was an intimate moment. Like you didn't eat in like a, you know, it, it wasn't just like a business casual conversation. Uh, you ate with those you were most intimate with, uh, you were closest to, which is one of the reasons why the Pharisees were upset whenever Jesus was eating with the, the sinners and the tax collectors and the scum of the earth um, in that instance. But anyway, so going back, to the, going back to the topic at hand, Jesus being at the Father's side, <coughs> one of the most intimate ways you could be with God the Father. And so the same language is used in both of those cases. And um, so Jesus has made God known through people or to people. Now, the next section of this gospel account uh, through John 2.11 is focused on John the Baptist's witness and the first week of Jesus's ministry. So the Jews referenced here are specifically those in the high priest who are trying to figure out who John is. So, and usually whenever John references the Jews or he uses the phrase Jews, he, he's talking about those in the higher council. He's talking about those who are kind of high up. They're elevated to a high standard and uh, they're usually the leaders of the people. This isn't a knock on anybody with the Jewish lineage. And so I think that's where you can get into anti-Semitism. And, um, and you get into some really bad, bad stuff there. So this isn't a reference to that. Ever John says the Jews. So, uh, but in this next section, uh, he is talking about the, the higher leaders of the, the Jewish people, the, uh, like the Pharisees and Sadducees. And so, but there's two references in the old Testament that the Jews thought John may have been. And so whenever they talk about, are you the prophet? Are you, um, are you Elijah return? And so one of those is here in Malachi four, five, it says, behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord, uh, of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So they're asking him, Hey, is this, is this the prophecy? Is it talking about you? Is this, is this talking about you? And uh, then also there's another one in Deuteronomy 18 that the Pharisees might have thought that he was uh, being referenced as. And so, 
And this one, Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 18, it says, The Lord your God will raise you up a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb. On the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord at my uh, Lord, my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among your brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command. So um, is this John the Baptist? Is this who John is? Was this the prophecy of him. So the priest asked him if he's Elijah because of the Malachi scripture and John denying being Elijah. So the Jews were expecting the same physical Elijah who, who never died to come back right before the Messiah came. And so I even heard, um, uh, I don't, I don't want to say for sure, but I've heard that there are some Jews that will still set a table for Elijah during, uh, I think it's Passover. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, they set a place for him, expecting him to come up um, and, and return before the return of the Messiah because non-Messianic Jews don't believe the Messiah has come. So they're waiting for Elijah to come before the Messiah. So the, uh, the, the, the story that we do see of Elijah in 2 Kings 2.11, it says, and they, were still, uh, and they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. So because they never saw Elijah die, there was no record of him dying. They're waiting for his return to lead the way for the Messiah to come. Now, those John, though John denied being Elijah, and this is where scripture gets tricky sometimes. Uh, in Matthew 11, 11 through 14, we actually see Jesus confirming that John actually fulfilled the prophecy regarding Elijah. So that was over in Matthew. In uh, Matthew 11, starting with 11, going through 15, it says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen none, no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet he is the one who was least in the kingdom of heaven is greater, or yet those who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So the interesting thing is it looks like Jesus is, is contradicting John. So even though John was a prophet, he was not the exact prophet that Moses referred to in Deuteronomy, and he wasn't exactly Elijah. He wasn't the physical essence of Elijah. And so even though he was a prophet that came before the Messiah, he wasn't literally Elijah. Now, uh, the, the exact prophet uh, that Moses referred to in Deuteronomy would actually be Jesus. So since this is one of his many functions, Jesus was a prophet, uh, it is, he's not just a prophet, but he is a prophet. So he fits that from Deuteronomy. So John wanted to be known just as a voice in the wilderness. So one practical lesson for us to see uh, by looking at John the baptizer is that he was humble and he wasn't boastful about his role in the arrival of Jesus. So 
He could have easily said, yes, I'm the one that came to lead the way. I'm the one that came that scripture talked about, but John didn't do that. And I love that about John because, I mean, I don't know how I would be. Like if there were scriptures that were, you know, I was fulfilling things in scripture, leading the way of this Messiah coming to take away the sin of the world. I don't know how to respond to that. I don't know if I'd be humble enough to, to, to push the attention away from me. Uh, even though he was, he was one that was predicted to come and prophesied to come and be that voice in the wilderness. He even says, I'm a voice in the wilderness. He, he didn't make it about himself, uh, which is very, very, uh, a very great lesson for us to learn from John the Baptist. So <clears throat> even though he was sent, he never let that become a hindrance to his walk in the form of pride. So he shot down pride every chance that he got. And we'll see this continue on as we progress. And so Peter claimed that the uh, the prophet in Deuteronomy was Jesus in Acts 3. So if we look there, in Acts 3, starting at 19, going through 22, it says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and do whatever he tells you. So Peter is saying here in Acts 3, that that prophet Deuteronomy was Jesus. So John was correct. Whenever he said, no, he was not claiming that to be about him. Now, John does identify with the prom- uh, prophecy in Isaiah 43, or 40 verse 3, where it says, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepares the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So the interesting thing is, John doesn't even say like I am that person he just says I'm a voice in the wilderness so of all these prophecies that were made that John fits among he chose the one that even isn't real glorious in a way he just just a voice in the wilderness and so again I just I love the fact that John is is showing his humility in this instance now John literally walked around in that wilderness preaching to those who would listen and calling them to repent. So John the author is the only gospel writer who does not mention repentance in this uh, in this scripture, in this account. Uh, it's found in the other gospels, and so we are going to include it in the discussion here about repentance. So, but uh, that's it for this week. Uh, We're going to be progressing next time, going into verses 24, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, baptism and why John was baptizing, the significance of him baptizing Jews. Uh, All of that good stuff is coming up on the next part of the Gospel of John Bible study. Uh, I hope that was somewhat helpful for you. Again, if you watch this uh, kind of on playback, and you have any questions about anything pertaining to study or anything in general, 
just let me know. I'd be more than happy to address that in a separate video after I do some studying on it. But uh, thank you all for tuning in to this episode. I hope it's blessed you. I hope you have a phenomenal new year. Stay safe. And uh, I do want to let you know that I am doing a Bible in a year reading plan. So if you are interested in doing something like that, I'm going to put the link to that in the comments or in the description of the YouTube video. You can click on that and join uh, if you want to. And so it's about a 10 minute a day read. And if you're using the Uversion app, which is what I'm using. So if you just kind of follow along with that, the app will actually read it to you. So you know, even though I would recommend you sit down and kind of read in silence, if you're driving to work or you're having to do something while it's going on, you can listen to it and, and still be doing stuff. So um, if you're interested in that, please sign up. Let me know if for some reason the link doesn't work for you. I'll try to get that to you. I will see you next time. Thank you so much and God bless.